0: Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of Pop Culture Double Date. This week we're back um, to talk about Westworld Season 3 Episode 2 because we're all in confinement and we managed to watch this episode of Westworld in time and actually get around to podcasting about it. So tonight I'm joined by Gerald Adiger at Maggie. Say hello, everyone. Hello!
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Um, yeah, and we're going to talk about Westworld Season 3, Episode 2. I can't remember the name of it, Gerald is probably it's, the only one who knows. It's,
1: it's the winter line, whatever that means.
0: <laughs> okay, and so this episode was... Um, what's the summary for this episode? Like, <laughs> it's basically. A, sorry, Anijo, why? why?
2: Oh, can you hear me?
0: Yep. Yep.
2: I guess the, the summary in two lines would be back to Westworld, Maeve as a USB stick.
0: Yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Bernard goes back to Westworld to look for Maeve because for some reason he thinks that Maeve is essential in him stopping Dolores whatever stopping Dolores means, because that's still really unclear. And then, so we go on this adventure with Maeve, where, um, Maeve basically visits the Matrix. And, yeah, at the end she gets unplugged from the Matrix. Um, okay, you can probably tell from my tone that I didn't think this was a particularly good episode, and to be honest, it makes me very nervous. About the rest of the season of Westworld, Um, I didn't find this to be a particularly interesting, engaging episode. Um, It, I didn't feel like so for me. It felt really obvious that, like, the moment they revealed that they were in the Matrix, like, so basically, the big reveal is that Maeve, kind of, you know, the last time we saw (laughs) Maeve.
2: It's
0: a full Spoilers alert. Full Spoilers. Sorry, this is a Full Spoilers podcast. Sorry, you've probably already been spoiled, but you knew this was a Full Spoilers podcast. We've never been a non-Full Spoilers <laughs> podcast. But anyway, the, the, the thing with this episode is that Maeve starts off and you think that she's in Westworld, or like one of the subsets of Westworld Warworld. So they do the whole Westworld thing where they have the loop and the story and blah, blah, blah. And you basically find out that Maeve... Still retains kind of her powers, and she's still fully self-aware, even though no one else around her is right. And then, um, but she doesn't she doesn't have a Matrix powers, right? Like, so if you remember last season, she had this ability to basically in Westworld she was Neo, she could just stop people and just do get people to like other hosts to do whatever the hell she wanted, right? So she didn't have those powers. And so that's like a big mystery, apparently, and then eventually you get to this place where you find find out that Maeve is actually um, not in Warworld, but she's plugged into the Matrix, because for some reason they've taken her little black mind great thing out of her head and plugged it into the Matrix. Now, I think this was a big reveal of this episode, um, and... I guess I didn't find it particularly engaging. I felt like it was super telegraphed. Um, And to be honest, it wasn't that interesting because I guess, like, yeah, it it, it didn't seem like anything particularly new from a sci-fi perspective. And in fact, when I was watching this episode, I kind of felt like, well, what Westworld has kind of become is this... Westworld season one and two was like Season 1 probably more so than Season 2, but Season 1 and 2 were like an interesting discussion about consciousness, what it was to be sort of alive and conscious, um, you know, aspects of the nature of God, that sort of thing, right? And now I feel like they've just taken all these sci-fi tropes, like, you know, there's elements of the Terminator, Blade Runner, Altered Carbon like, the Matrix, and they've just kind of shoved it all into one thing. And it's all kind of just in there. And it doesn't feel particularly well thought out, and it's not super interesting. And um, I think the worst thing for me is kind of the whole mystery box aspect of it isn't as mysterious anymore, right? And maybe this, this is the first time that I've... I thought to myself, maybe with Westworld, um, if you get rid of the mystery box, a lot of the attraction of the show kind of goes away because the mystery box wasn't particularly good and definitely I felt this episode felt fell flat as a result of that. So anyway, that's just my initial thoughts. What did everyone else think?
1: Um, look, like you, Darren, I hated this episode. I thought the last episode was the soft or hard reboot that the show really needed, and this felt like a real regression. This felt like a massive step back. And I think a metaphor for the entire episode is the Benioff and Weiss (laughs) experience. Like, how out of touch are Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy to think that Game of Thrones has enough cultural cachet or relevance (laughs) for them to insert into this show... um, A cameo appearance by Benioff and Weiss. I mean, how completely up their own assholes must these people be? And then to have not just Benioff and Weiss, but to have the two of them hacking Drogon to bits in that little cameo was like this giant middle finger to everyone who's ever bought a subscription to HBO. So I think there was a real, there was in that cameo, in that Easter egg, a measure of contempt. For the audience that I don't think I've detected before in this show, and I find it really quite disturbing. There was this, there was this, yeah, there was this real sort of, "Hey, audience, you think you want to progress out of Westworld? Well, we're not going to give you what you want. We're going to go back to Westworld, and we're going to rub your faces in the loop. We're going to rub your faces in the gratuitous violence. We're going to rub your faces in how stupid Hector is, um, and you're just going to have to lap it up." And what is the grand payoff at the end of this episode? Bloody Vincent Cassell basically reprising the role of the Night Fox from Ocean's 12. I mean, it was just so lame for um, Maeve to wake up in the real world to find herself having breakfast with Vincent Cassell, um, Serac or whatever his name is. And, you know, his place in the universe completely unexplained. I mean, does anyone really care about him? Uh, so I just thought this episode was a mess this is quite possibly the worst episode in the entire show's run um, it exposes the hollowness of the vision of Nolan and joy and it sort of it, it is so <laughs> filled with contempt for its audience that one cannot help but feel insulted during the course of watching it
0: so Jerry, the only feedback I would have for that would be, when was Game of When was Game of Thrones? That was when was the last season of Game of Thrones? That was like six months ago. Was that right?
1: That it was more than six months ago. It was like eight or nine months ago.
0: Would they have been filming this at the time? The only well, reason well, I would think that they put that in was because they had already filmed it, right?
1: Like, that, in, that, that, look, I, 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 I accept that, but the problem is, right, that this was this was like. You know, a sort of HBO circle jerk, and um, in circumstances where it was obvious from for quite a couple of years now that Benioff and Weiss were just phoning it in, and they just couldn't be asked, and they decided to throw those two into this episode and have them hack to bits one of the sort of beloved CGI characters in the show, just seemed to suggest a degree of laziness, a degree of contempt for the audience. And sort of a degree of narcissistic self-absorption, sort of like, a, "Hey HBO, how, how great are we? So let's just cross-pollinate between these two various HBO universes and uh, see if we can get fans spotting what we've done." Completely lame. I just thought it was—it it, it, just—it just bespoke a level of self-indulgence and um, self-absorption that. Whilst this show, with its mystery box storytelling tendencies, is always displayed, just amped up to an entirely new level um, that I found really frustrating.
0: Yeah, I got to say, like I found that scene cringeworthy. But I mean, yeah, that, that scene was cringeworthy because of the level of badness that last season of Game of Thrones ended up being. So, manager um, Mags, she um, wants to go.
2: Mags, where did you go, Mags? Oh, sure. Um, so
3: I love the character Maeve, she's my favourite character in the series, so I was really looking forward to seeing what they were going to do with her story arc this season. Um, so after seeing it, um, I mean, I think Tandy Newton is a fantastic actress, she she did the best that she could with the material that she was given, um, and they I guess the episode was trying to set her up as um, Dolores' nemesis or foe for this season. And somehow, somehow, um, she and Bernard will meet and form an alliance with Stubbs as the, I don't know, the, the grunt in the team. So it's almost like an episode where they were forming Maeve Team 1 Um For me, I thought it was a little bit disappointing um, how they got there, um, how they resurrected Maeve and um, how they tried to demonstrate, I guess, her, why she was so, she's so much more powerful than Dolores or some kind of equal foe to her. um, I didn't think they did a very good job of that. Uh, And it, no, I, I... it made me feel like there wasn't any real, real story sitting behind why she's been brought back to the series, other than the fact that she's going to be Dolores's nemesis or foe. So it it it's it kind of felt like this season has has become more about um, adventuring, um, you know, good. Good guys versus bad guys, um, and, and that kind of level of storytelling. The only question I had was, um, about, um, Vincent, what's his name's character. So he's meant to be the co-founder or developer of, um, Insight, that, um, artificial intelligence that's, um, commanding the current world in, in the series. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they do a backstory about him and about that AI. I think that would be potentially a way to save the series a little bit and to go back into a more of a interesting thematic discussion, but who knows? Manager?
2: Yeah, I thought it was pretty disappointing. Um... You know, it was hard. actually hard to go back to Westworld because I felt so done with it. Not because it was bad or anything, I just felt like we'd moved on. And so to be sort of pulled all the way back there and into a world that wasn't very interesting. So Warworld was really not very interesting. I mean, maybe they could have made it to be, um, but it wasn't on the show. And there's no, you know, unlike season one and two, where we were exploring the robot's consciousness and free will and all of that, there wasn't any of that going on. So we were just in this uninteresting world following Maeve about. um, And it had a lot of, you know how in seasons one and two, the maze. The maze was a big thing, right? So the the robots have to get to the center of the maze. And this whole episode reminded me of another maze with Maeve just t- taking one turn after another, um, trying to get somewhere and not really getting anywhere. Um, And it was just kind of frustrating and pointless. It seemed frustrating and pointless. Um, Story-wise, I I don't really know why they had to have that whole sequence of Maeve being in the Matrix and realising she was in the Matrix. Um, I don't see the point of it. I think what they might argue is that Serac or whatever... You know, his name is, you know, sitting there like a godlike figure in this world. Maybe he's, t- I guess he, he is testing her, right? To see if she is able to figure out what's going on, even if she's in the Matrix, just the way she was able to figure it out in Westworld. Maybe testing her to see if she is as powerful as they hope um, and therefore enough of a force to uh, Dolores. Um, so maybe that's the point of it, but God, there was like a lot to, for us as viewers to have to go through and watch that was boring mm. in order to make that point so um, yeah, that was all kind of disappointing I, I, I hope that it was just one one regression and we are gonna zoom forward from from this point onwards um, back to what they showed us in episode one
0: mm. so look, I, I think it's really interesting what we've said here because um, Yeah, like, I think both Adiger and Mags have picked up on this point that from a story perspective, it feels different from Season 1 and 2. And I, I think, like, I just want to sort of bring out something that Mags just said there, which is I definitely feel like the story, this week's story, felt so simplistic. And I'm actually really concerned that this season is going to devolve into, like, something that... Like uh, sort of more standard TV fare, right? Like a simplistic story of Team A versus Team B, or like Team A versus Team B versus Team C, right? Because it's unclear with if Bernard is actually going to team up with Maeve or not. But like, you know, it felt like this week, it was just like they moved these pieces. Oh, so there's Team A, Bernard and Stubb's team, right? And you know that there's this team with, like, Dolores and... Um, Jesse, whatever his name is in the show, but and then you know potentially there's this other team with like Serac and Maeve, right? But then it just feels really kind sort of sort of puerile where it's just oh so it's we're just they're just gonna have a fight and like but that's never what Westworld has been about, right? Like it feels really strange that it's just like and even the way they talk about it is that I've got to stop Dolores. Well hang on, like, how is Maeve going to really help you stop Dolores? Like, Serac's plan that he reveals at the end of the show is that, oh, we need Maeve to kill Dolores. Like, it just seems really, like, really? That's your plan? Like, you basically just want to kill Dolores, and the only way you can achieve this goal is by using another killer robot really? Like, literally, there's no other way to kill this Dolores. When it's clearly been shown that, like, Dolores was already on death's door at the end of episode one, right? You don't need to wake up another killer robot and have this super convoluted plan to kill her, right? Like, I'm sure if you have all the resources in the universe... It's... Yeah, it, it just seems like such a bizarre, simplistic plan, and it feels like TV show fodder, right? Like this, oh, so we have to set up this conflict, so, yeah, so then that's why, like, that's why we've w- woken her up. And if you actually think about it, like, this idea of waking Maeve up, of all, like, if you were a human, right, sitting in that universe who knew actually what happened at the park, which I assume that these sort of secret men in their secret rooms who are planning these planning this thing out, right, know what happened in the park. Why would you ever wake Maeve up? Why would you ever, like, it just seems like such an idiotic idea to do that, right?
1: In fairness, fairness, I don't think they actually know the full extent, they knew the full extent of Maeve's powers, because (coughs) that's why they have Lee Sizemore, fake Lee Sizemore, interrogating Maeve about the events at the final, in the at the end of the last season, because they they they're not exactly clear what went down. They know that Maeve was somehow involved, so they've put her in this simulation and they've prepared her up with fake Lee Sizemore in the hope that he can tease out of her some information as to what happened and um, how and the role of all the various players in in the events that that occurred at the end of the last season. But um, but even then, I don't think it's a particularly compelling setup for the sort of Groundhog Day structure of this particular episode. So, um, yeah, I just think the edifice just came tumbling down um, as the the episode progressed.
0: I mean, does it make sense? Like, given what Maeve did in this episode, right, she breaks out and murders a bunch of guards, right? Like, so... I actually have an issue with that, right, where she, she she's like a murderer. Like, What sets her apart from Dolores, really, right? Like, she doesn't really value life at all. So, like, and then, so after she breaks out, gets into another robot body and kills a bunch of people, like, this guy thinks, oh... Okay, absolutely, this is the killer robot I need to murder the other killer robot. It just seems like such a dumb plan. Like it, I don't know, it it feels like it feels forced, because... It feels
2: to fail as well, right? Yeah, for
0: sure. It's like, who are these people? Are are these really the top minds of this universe? Because these are dumb, dumb plans, right? Like... (laughs) And, like, the other thing that I was thinking about was that, you know, when Bernard goes to find Maeve and, um, like, all the hosts, <laughs> so they've had this massacre at the park, and they've just taken all the host bodies and just dumped them <laughs> in that sort of room? <laughs> like... <laughs> so, you know, like, in, in Westworld, there's that room with all the old bodies?
1: Yeah, the <laughs> <fridge>. <laughs>
0: And they just put them all in the fridge, like, and there's been this massacre. And so in, instead of like, real, like you know, sort of destroying the bodies or like really sort of investigating it, they just kind of like just put them all in the fridge. Like, what is going on? Like, I, honestly, like none of this feels realistic. None of this feels organic. It just seems really forced.
1: <laughs> Taz, do you think? Do you think ultimately Westworld, at its heart, is the story of grand corporate malfeasance and negligence
0: <laughs> just like corporate buffoonery essentially yeah. right
1: it's like <laughs> basically basically delos is sort of shit disney they've got this theme park and it just kills people and they run it really negligently and you know and then when you whenever you see the boardroom they're embarking on really dumb plans like trying to take the company <laughs> private without refinancing. financing yeah and and like, and, and and there's like a walkie-talkie who's one of the board directors, and so <laughs> yeah, you're like, this is uh, maybe deep. Maybe we're seeing this all wrong. Maybe deep down in this show, embedded within its very structure, is like a a devastating satire of modern corporate America.
0: <laughs> Somehow, I don't feel like the show creators are that <laughs> have that much foresight, right? <laughs> or like have playing 4D chess to that level. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Maybe you'll be right, Jerry Maybe that'll be the takeout of this season. But right now, I, look, I, I won't lie, I, after watching this episode, I'm really worried because I just felt like the way those pieces were moved around the board was done in such a ham-fisted, like, sort of um, clumsy... I think clumsy is the right word. Clumsy and boring way that, you know... <laughs> It just, it bodes poorly for the rest of the season. But we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah. Um, does anyone else
2: have anything else to add? No, there's not much to say on that episode. Just hope for the best next week. Yeah. So next week is, next week, based on the preview, it's
3: focusing on uh, Tessa, what's her, Tessa Thompson's character? Yes.
2: I guess we'll find out if she is Teddy or not. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But Teddy mm. had so little personality that if Tessa was Teddy, like I don't know what how to, how she would even act that out, let alone <laughs> why we would care. <laughs> <So> <laughs> one of the greatest roles of her acting career. <laughs> face, I don't really think we need his personality.
1: Yeah. <laughs> i got to say, like, take a step back. I kind of feel sorry for James Marsden. Like he's a very handsome man who's been doomed to playing like these crap characters that don't do very much. Yeah. From from Cyclops to Teddy. Yeah. Uh, so I you know I I I feel for the man. Uh, I wish this could uh, you know and but he's now playing second fiddle to Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't he
3: in that? What was that singing
1: movie?
0: Enchanted. Love I love Enchanted. Yeah. Love yeah. Yeah, James Martin was amazing in Enchanted, right? Like, he was... He's a good comedy actor, I feel. Anyway. Um, Speaking of acting, on a final note, I I thought that the Hemsworth brother, who played Stubbs, was pretty good. Right? Like, the way... There was a scene when, like, he wakes up from being shot in the neck, and apparently that was not... None of that was camera trickery or CGI, and I was like, oh... He legitimately looks like a broken down robot. So good on you. That was that was a well acted scene, I thought. So
1: yeah, well, I mean, he's the Hemsworth who could who could least afford to skate through by hotness. So,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so he's actually a good actor.
1: <laughs> he requires acting skills.
0: <laughs> okay, well, thanks for joining me, everybody, to um, talk about this episode of Westworld. We'll wait with bated breath um to see what happens next week and whether westworld can pick itself up from this um yeah thanks everyone for chatting about westworld and we'll see everyone again next week say bye everyone bye Bye.